So we're back in the studio after our mini tour last week that took in the England training base and the Cabbage Patch Pub in Twickenham. Hello, you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod with me, Johnny Hammond, checking in alongside Harlequins and England stalwart, Rachel Burford. Hi, Johnny, and what a great night it was for us, but a frustrating time for all of Six Nations fans with two of the three games postponed in round four and the whole of round five is called off. Yeah, the coronavirus has had a huge impact on this year's tournament, but we still have a great occasion at the Stoop to reflect on. So what's on the menu this week? Well, I caught up with Simon Middleton and Kira Bevan following England's victory over Wales in front of nigh on 11,000 fans on Saturday, plus Amy Cocaine, a wonderful way for her to celebrate her 50th cap. And I'm also looking forward to catching up with the world's best player, Emily Scarrett, to reflect on the whole of the Red Roses Six Nations campaign. We'll be speaking to her shortly. England's Grand Slam is on hold because of that postponement of the game in Italy. And Sunday's match in Lille between France and Ireland also postponed today. We'll assess Ireland's campaign with the women who led them to the 2013 title, Fiona Coughlin. Huge frustrations all round. But what about Scotland? We'll have to wait and see whether all three of their postponed games will be played. Lisa Martin joins us to assess the effect on the Scots World Cup preparations. And the same is true for Italy. 1-1, lost one, three postponing. Coronavirus has resulted in all sporting events in the country being scrapped until April. Harlequin's Italian flanker Giardo Franco gives us the lowdown on the impact of the virus back at home. We'll chat through the news coming out of the Tyrrell's Premier 15s and the decision to introduce a salary cap, amongst other things. But first, Birthmeister, let's indulge ourselves a little. Uh, last Thursday night, it was, a, it was a great night. Got to thank uh, everyone uh, for coming along and supporting our, our inaugural women's rugby pod live to the cabbage patch and to, to fillers as well and of course can i have a drum roll please oh nice i like it doesn't it yeah keep it going the winner of the score prediction Ooh, is it me no <sighs> you were quite close actually we were, we were both quite close to be yeah. fair uh, but it is ellie from ashford Woo! in surrey oh, um, who predicted <laughs> a 70 point to 7 victory for England, uh, she was obviously only four points off England's total. So, uh, well done to Ellie from Ashford. We will DM you if you don't hear from us. Do you know what? Perhaps give us a nudge. And you've won a, a night away with including breakfast at any of the Fuller's pubs or inns around London. So, uh, smashing prize and well done to you. A little bit of other news to, to catch up on. The sort of Second tier, as it were, of, of women's six nations. The, uh, the European Championship has been going on. Russia beat Netherlands in the opening game. Now both sides meet Spain and the winner progressing to the next phase of the World Cup qualifiers in Europe. Leicester as so well. Here, yeah. Going to start up a side. Bit of competition for Lightning, I would have thought, uh, with that announcement. Uh, but, yeah, women's... Sections of rugby clubs are popping up everywhere. Bit of a shout out to Farnham and Aaron Webb. Uh, he'll, he's building things there. And Weybridge Vandals, my old club, got to give them a shout out because they're starting a women's section as well, um, which, yes, they asked me to be involved in. So a big shout out to the Vandals. DMP, Darlington Motor Park Sharks, have teamed up with Durham University. Wise move that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as all the Tyrrells Premier 15s, they've got great facilities for, so for them to be able to match up with Durham University, which we know the kind of excellent facilities they have there, it's an attractive, you know, thing to be selling to their players. 
Yeah, absolutely. Increased player pathway as well. Yes, yeah, a really good move from Darlington Motor Park Sharks. And we have had a, a question from Twitter, from Black and Red. The uh, salary cap, we know is at 60,000. Somebody actually tweeted and said they've, they've stolen a decimal point. Um, I think I probably agree <laughs> with them. Uh, and the squad reduced from, what is it, 60 now? Yeah, 60 at the moment. To 40, which scraps the development teams. Your thoughts on that for a lady who's in and amongst it all? Well, I think, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, to be honest, but £60,000, I think, it could hinder teams. It could stop the development, potentially, of the women's game and people investing more and, and trying to set standards and other people to follow. Um, I can understand why they need to put it in there to protect some of the other clubs um, who potentially don't have the same infrastructure. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit mixed about the development team side because I think... You know, I think they're questioning... Does it work as it is now? I was going to say, I think they're questioning whether it is working. Do we see many of the development team players coming into the first team? Do we see enough of it for it to warrant all that investment? Um, I would say it's probably not at the moment. And that might just be down to, you know, it's a couple of years in, so it hasn't had that much depth and growth yet. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I think on a match day, the reaction on Twitter is, on a match day, it's nice to have... Your sort of senior side, your development side playing together, all in the bar afterwards, having a drink, what have you, from that sort of team ethos and obviously training numbers, that kind of stuff. I, I get that. You quite often see loan players from local universities or clubs possibly coming to development sides. It's more of a coming back from injury kind of feel to it as well. That's from the outside. Um, plus all those players can then presumably filter down into the other clubs you know say for example you know Richmond don't make the cut for for the Premier 15s or you know Worcester or you know, whoever it may be um those players can can go and play at those clubs okay geographically you may not may not make too much and sense and then you could also come on loan as well couldn't you so there's 100%. still the opportunity to play so, so it's an extra 200 players that have been in that really really professional top six team environment Filtering down into into clubs who are just championship, on, on the, yeah. championship or on the brink of it, uh, and also we've got to step forward, haven't we? And this is a step forward. We can debate the numbers all day long, and I, and I agree with you. I think sixty thousand is, is is way off the mark, but it's a step forward, and we've got to keep taking steps forward. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know your opening comment there. You was like, it's nice to have. Two teams there. It's nice to do. Well, actually, we're going into a professional era now and, and it's not about always being nice and it's about doing what's right for the game, right for the club, right for the league, right for the broadcasters. They're the things we've got to get right. OK, let's crack on with the Six Nations. The uh, the only result from uh, from the Stoop, a record-breaking crowd there. I think that's record-breaking for a home international Ticketed non-World Cup game. I think they've got that all right. England 66 with their 10 tries. Wales 7. So that result sees the Red Roses remain top of the pile on 19 points. France on 11 and Ireland on 9. With both only completing 3 games. Italy 4 points from their 2 games. And Scotland Wales on 1. But Scotland having only played 2. And Wales 4. We'll discuss the situation of all the teams shortly. 
But we begin with defending champions England, who secured a comprehensive win over Wales in front of that bumper crowd at the Stoop. After the game, I caught up with England boss Simon Middleton, Wales scrum half Kira Bevan, and first, England's 50-cap hooker, Amy Cocaine. That kind of like singing the anthem when you can just like look at the crowd and have that moment, that was quite nice, yeah. Bit of a frustrating game to play in, but... Um... You know, obviously super proud to get 50 caps, but, but as I said, it's a bit awkward in a team sport to have an individual achievement like that. But um, yeah, no, super proud. They do, they do have a massive advantage over us, but you know, that's not. We don't really want to use that as an excuse. You know, every time we come onto the pitch, you know, we, we do put our bodies on the line and, and we do the best we can um, with the resources that we have. I think we really put their set piece under pressure at scrum and line out time, and then I think stuff that we can work on is just phase play defence, um, just closing it off quite early and just getting off the line. Personally, I love playing against England because it is such a challenge. Um, I can't really speak on behalf of everyone else, but yeah, for me, I, I do love it. I would give us a probably an eight out of ten for that, which is I know I know I can see the surprise in your face, but the reason is because we had to really work hard to keep the game on track, uh, and we didn't do that when we were when we were at Doncaster, and it's probably getting a bit boring me saying that, but it, it's we, you know we, we we didn't enjoy that performance, the second half performance in Doncaster, and we've talked about it all the time this week and we wanted to be really disciplined with how we played today and I thought we were uh, you know we, we, we made a few errors which you're going to do in every game I thought Wales were firstly competitive as we expected them to be uh, and we sort of got going and then it stumbled a little bit but then we worked really hard to keep it going and I thought uh, KE in particular had, had a great game tactically had a great game with us and uh, and we found ways to keep the scoreboard moving uh, I thought Wales defended us really well on the edges and the midfield you know they kept Scars pretty quiet I thought uh, but we just so we, we you know we we went through the middle of them and we and we shortened them up that way and and uh, and we used all the players really effectively and uh, so yeah I'm 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 pleased with that performance yeah You know, of course, we're due to fly to Italy this Sunday, but the game was called off last week to assess England's truncated Six Nations campaign. It's a warm welcome back to World Rugby Player of the Year, last week's England skipper and friend of the pod, Emily Scarrett. Hello, Johnny. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. You sound like you're you're in a car. Where, where have you been? Have you had a fun day? Yeah, not too bad. Just been um, over in Guildford, just doing an appearance for um, some of the England rugby stuff. So, always working. Nice. You've had a fairly quiet six days, hasn't you, Berth? <laughs> yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. So, what is it? Try the tournament against France. Picked up most points score of all time for England. Uh, probably scored more tries that I can't think of. Scored eight conversions. Oh, and your captain's like, do you want to leave anything for anybody else? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's been cool. It's been a good one. Um, it's just not always. I love Six Nations. Love getting out there. Love playing at home. We had obviously a couple of away games to start us off. So to get back at home is always really nice. And you know, it's a shame we're not playing this weekend, but it's what it is. And hopefully we'll kind of get to finish that one off at some point soon. But you did have one little hiccup, didn't you? And what was that? The I know pass? that obviously no, not in the game. I know that you've oh. obviously got one nil up on Katie for taking the top points now, but she's definitely got one nil up on you on the drop goals, isn't she? Oh, the job. Do you know what? I, Here we go. I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. Wolf, right. However, 
there were two kicks taken that were filmed and I knew which one was going to be posted as soon as I hit it but no fair play some of the other girls hit both I did miss one I'm not a drop goaler but I should have hit it the pressure was on and I absolutely crumbled (laughs) (laughs) she's she's human (laughs) Emily I I was there I I only saw one recorded oh it's all about making great TV, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're, no I, I will verify that both her and Mo did take two. And obviously, um, the, the, the misses were, were taken. Because, um, yeah, as you say, makes great, great telly. Um, exactly. Getting back to kind of yeah, probably playing and stuff, really happy to obviously have played four. Um, great to get back to the stoop. Red crowd. How nice was that running out to, uh, with the skipper's armband? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, really special. I think, I think it was Amber Reid that posted after the game, like the six-year difference between us being at the stoop and just having one side of the stand full. Uh, sorry, one stand full. Um, and obviously coming out of the weekend and having three sides full. Um, so the difference is, is awesome. And like you say, just the atmosphere, singing the national anthem with so many people singing it alongside you. Just little things like that that make such a difference. Um, and obviously really special for Amy on her 50th cap, now her home kind of ground as well. So just some really nice bits that, that happened at the weekend that you know are, are really special. Uh, I, I spoke to Mitz after the, after the game and he, he gave you an 8 out of 10. What, what, what would have been... <laughs> What would be your kind of, yeah, seven and a half a week before, so, or the, or the, the round before? Give us your assessment, Emily, of, of those first four rounds as an overall picture. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously it's pleasing to finish how we finished um, against Wales. Lots of tries, lots of tries from kind of different ways. Poppy obviously scoring three tries, which hopefully will stop her going on about the tries that got disallowed in the Scotland game, which she's not stopped banging on about. But, um, yeah, it, I suppose it's a, a, a bit of a relative mixed bag. Like we were frustrated um, in our, with our second half against Ireland, um, just kind of by our own standards. It's just probably a bit sloppy. Um, you know, we always want to push on. You know, score as many tries as we can, keep kind of foot on the throttle. Um, and we probably didn't do that at, at times, but um, yeah, I think overall, this, the whole campaign, it's been it's been a really good one. Um, lots of people have got game time, um, tried some different combinations and stuff. So. Um, yeah, can't compare. four from four. You can't really complain, can you? No, did you not? In line for for a, a back-to-back Grand Slam. Um, the only other thing I was going to ask you before I let uh, Berth tuck in um, was a few new combinations that uh, you, you've been trying. Not necessarily in that back line, although Zoe and Amber have sort of Zoe Harris and Amber really swapped round in, inside you at twelve. Who's who's impressed you? Um, Scars. Any of the new players or any more established players? You thought, oh, geez, they're playing well, or I haven't seen that to their that string to their bow for very often. Yeah, I think I think some of our forwards really stepped up, um, especially in that second row, back row. Obviously, we were missing the likes of Abby Scott, Marley Packer. You know, two you know, very well established, fantastic players. Um, so people like Sarah Beckett, Zoe Allcroft, obviously already mentioned Poppy. I think those guys really, really stepped up, showed what they're about, just their work rate. Some of um, Zoe and Beckett especially so their work rate in the, that France game was unbelievable um, just getting themselves around the park just doing all the stuff that I'll be honest I definitely don't want to do and lots of other people on the field don't want to do but we need someone to do it um, they just put their heads down get on with it tidy all the kind of rubbish up um, and uh, especially someone like Zoe obviously taking the the calling of the line out on which I imagine is a very big deal. So just, yeah, players like that, I think it's been really nice to see them come through. 
And, and Skaz, like, obviously this weekend, Italy's been cancelled. You know, for a little while. Has there been any talk about potentially when that fixture would be rearranged? Can it be rearranged? And, you know, what if it can't? Can, can you claim the title? Oh, all questions I'm not really sure of, to be right, honest. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think there's there's meetings going on this week, as far as I understand, in terms of obviously them looking, trying to look at potential dates to try and rearrange it. Obviously, it's got to fit in line with our calendar. It's got to fit in line with Italy's calendar. Um, obviously, we've got some stuff going on in the summer. They've also got some of their um, like uh, World Cup qualifier stuff as well. So if and when it can fit around, obviously, the two calendars, then it would be great to play the game because you always want to, you know, tie off something like this finish the six nations and actually have placings have seedings um for some girls you know if we were able to go on and win that game it might be their first six nations championship so you know it it means a lot to all of us um but yeah if and when still not totally sure but hopefully we'll we'll know soon enough yeah fingers crossed it does happen and so that everybody can enjoy that opportunity and i just want to rewind back to the france game because we spoke about it on the pod and talked about that glorious try that you scored at the end now, was that a another World Cup final in 2014 where you've just seen Kate McLean, seen the ball coming, you've reacted and you've scored? Or was, that, was there something... Ooh, that pre- was a try. That was a great oh. try. Or, or was it pre-called, premeditated, Amber knew exactly what she was trying to do and you knew exactly where you were going? Or was it all just kind of in the moment, reaction, and you do what you do best? It was... Yeah, it was a, a bit of both. We'd obviously called, we'd called a set move um, and Rido had obviously decided to essentially carry it and then was able to offload post the tackle. Um, so I'm just kind of kind of running the line. I would have ran um, where you're probably normally expecting the ball pre-contact, but obviously that wasn't the right decision. And then she managed to free her arms up and get the ball away, which was, I think, a surprise to most of us because that was a fantastic offload. And then literally I... I I don't think I've ever been I feel like I was running for my life um just just basically ran as straight as I could for as long as I could because I knew the two the other two defenders were basically one was left and one was right and they were probably going to come and pin to me so I just yeah put my head down and I, thankfully I still got a bit of speed in the old legs so it's confirmed you you basically read it yeah, being well player of the year and everything. You just reacted off the back of something. <laughs> cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. That's entrapment, Skaz. I wouldn't have that if I were you from birth. That's Honestly. entrapment. E- either way, it was a fabulous try. You know, you're in uh, fabulous form. Now back to, to Loughborough Duty. Can we just ask you, just, just very, very quickly, obviously the, the announcement last week, uh, reduced squad's salary cap. What's your initial thoughts on that? I think it's... Um... It's a good way to go in terms of obviously bringing a salary cap in full stop. Like Berth and I played in times where you know nobody was getting anything for anything. So even the fact that we're now having to consciously put a salary cap on something is, is I suppose, a really positive thing in terms of you know people are, are interested in investing in our game. Um, yeah, I mean the TPs has, has gone from strength to strength. Obviously, there may or may not be some new teams come in as of September. We're not quite sure of that process yet, but. Um, yeah, I think it's continuing to grow. Um, we've got to make sure that we're all, you know, putting on the best brand of rugby we possibly can to keep keep making it as attractive as possible to, to people and investors and what have you. So um, we've got a big job to do there. But, um, yeah, it's definitely still taking strides forward. And hopefully when Loughborough make the final, it'll keep uh-huh. taking strides forward. You're still banging that drum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, hey, we've got to try. We've got to believe. Fighting talk <laughs> from the lightning. Very good. It's changed. Uh, <laughs> Emily, thank you very much. New, new coffee lover, world player of the year. 
Um, try the Six Nations, English record point scorer. Um, yes, Queen B. But thank can't you. Can't hit a drop goal. Uh, can't hit a, yeah, with a drop goal with a, yeah. Um, She's bluffing, I think. I reckon she did that on purpose just to make us all feel better that we can make mistakes. Don't be ridiculous. Emily, thank you so, so much uh, for joining us. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, all the best for the rest of the season. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. I'm Vicky Fleetwood, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, if England are frustrated to miss out on wrapping up the possible Grand Slam on Sunday, imagine how Italy feel. The postponement of the game is a third in a row for the Azzurri. They haven't played since the defeat in France over a month ago. Joining us on the line now is their star flanker, Giada Franco. Hey Giada, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, we yeah we're okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just going to ask you just on a personal level, how are you? How are things at home? Yeah, I'm home. Once, once good, good to have some. I spent quite a month in Italy, so we're good. Obviously, this virus thing makes everything a little bit weird, but I'm good to. I was, was really good at home and good to have my family and my friends all good. They're all safe and well, are they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, everyone's safe. Oh, that's great to hear, Jada. Um, I mean, it's been a frustrating time for a lot of people and hugely to yourselves as well. I mean, how much disruption has this had to the team? You know, when were you guys last together um, and kind of what's, what's the plan moving forward? We spent like the first two weeks of six station because of course we played the first two games together and was was really good because we didn't have so much time before six nations so we had lots of training together with building uh part the squad and then before the Scottish game was postponed we had another camp and then after that we haven't seen each other really. Uh, of course for the health security of of, of the players but uh, because we, we knew that we, we haven't played the, the other games so uh, the games will be played I don't know when we are waiting for for other information about that so we are trying to keep ourselves training in in clubs and Wherever we can. Yeah, I was just going to say, what what was the mood, Jada? Is it one of frustration, or is it is it one? Uh, I think as most of us would would say, sort of an understanding that some things are just bigger than than rugby and bigger than sport. Yeah, of course, we knew that it's not uh, anybody's fault, so we we couldn't do something about that. But yeah, it's really frustrating, you know, a lot of us and all the year to uh, be ready for one of the most important uh, competition with our national team. So everyone works uh, really hard to, to make sure that we arrive ready at, at, at it. But of course, when the game were, were cancelled, you know, frustration, a little bit of sadness too. Actually, after... After our second game result, uh, we didn't like played really, really well. We we wanted to play more and uh, kind of mm, 
uh, we find ourselves like a team. So, yeah, really, really frustrating. You say you had a, a camp after uh, after the France game. What what what, what was the overall uh, impression um, from Andre, the, the coach, and, and what have you, and you as players of those first two games? You, you say a bit of frustration after France. What 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 exactly do you do you feel you needed to to brush up on after the uh, that that opening win uh, over Wales and then the defeat to France? We knew that play against France in France, especially after the result we had last year will be really tough so we knew that the result uh, can seem like the game was on one side but I don't think it really was uh, of course like I said France is a great team and they showed up uh, but I think the first two games are always um, difficult to add like even because we like I said before we don't see each other too much so the first two, two games every year are always to uh, refine ourselves, refine our movements, refine our way to play together. And yeah, after the second game, we are we building this. Our our feelings, uh, the staff feelings too, were uh, focused, uh, focused on the next three games. So uh, yeah, when not really disappointing, but was, uh, we were trying to build something and it's already this, this game uh, that has been postponed, of course, stopped everything. I mean, with all that frustrating, you must be pretty excited to get back on the pitch with um, Carla Quinns this year now. I really, really can't wait to see you again. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you again, Jana. I can't wait to play. We have, like, like Bristol game and then uh, Lockdown and then we have the game changer too so yeah I'm looking forward to come back at Queen's and continue to play Oh great well look we, we look forward to seeing you back in the, the quarters of Harlequins and uh, yes I hope uh, yeah fingers crossed everyone at home stays safe and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see you at the stoop at some point <laughs> Oh thank you Thanks Jada Thanks for joining us Thank you both Thank you Johnny Like Italy, the Scotland squad haven't played a game since that infamous behind-closed-doors game with England at a snowy Murrayfield. The ill-fated trip to Northern Italy in round three ended up in having a terrible impact on the health of the Scottish squad. For the latest from the Scottish camp, we are delighted to say we are joined on the line by Lisa Martin. How's things? Uh, things, things are going pretty well, thanks. Uh, just just back down in uh, back down in wonderful Hatfield, uh, and just getting back into the swing of things down here with Sarah, who's just building up for the next next stage of titles. Yeah, absolutely. And you just pop, popped home for the weekend. How how much fun was that? Uh, it was really good. Uh, really, really good. Just spot up, spot time up there. Just visiting family and friends. Uh, opportunity to go and watch Scotland, Scotland beat France up at Murrayfield, which is obviously a little bit of a, a bonus uh, of being up there. But no, it's it's good to be able to have the opportunity and the ease to actually just go up every now and then. Um, so yeah, it was really good to just get back into the swing of things back in Scotland with family and friends up there. And I'm guessing you were hoping to also watch the women take on France as well. And I've been speaking to Jay Conkle about, you know, kind of the disappointments and frustrations. I mean, have you spoke to any of the players and how they're all feeling at the moment? Uh, I've spoken to a couple of the girls. Obviously, it's one of those things that you can never really plan for. Obviously, you're uh, trying to be as, as adaptable as possible, but 
these sort of situations and things are, are never really coming up in, in terms of team meetings and how we how we kind of go forward. But um, to be fair, you know, they're they're really taking it on on the chin. They're really working forward, and you know, this is the hand that's been dealt. And now, kind of things turn towards uh, walk up qualifiers and stuff now. You say you're talking to, to, to a couple of the, the girls in the squad there. Obviously, they've got uh, new coaching in place. Philip Doyle, uh, goose man. Um, <laughs> have you got a sense, because from the outside and, and obviously looking at the autumn, which you, you're involved with, uh, he was he was there then. Seems to be a, a big turnaround. Quite quite a few sort of major sort of foundation, foundation blocks being changed for the better. W- w- would that be right in that assessment? Yeah, I think it's pretty fair. Obviously, new coaches come in, obviously want to, to make their own mark and their own stamp in terms of, of game plan and, and um, development moving forward. And obviously, with the World Cup um, hopefully coming up uh, pretty soon as well, it's about getting um, as many girls some game time as well and make sure they've got a, a real strong squad that's, that's looking to build forward for this World Cup and, and one's forthcoming. Um, so, yeah, I think um, he has come in with his, with his new ideas and he's... Um, New thinking as well in terms of what he wants to focus on and what his kind of main things are. And, you know, the girls are, are really adapting to that and really taking those on board and really running with them now. What are your thoughts on um, the uh, game against Ireland? I mean, we, we sit here thinking, you know, Scotland should have won that game. You know, late breakaway try right at the end. I mean, what were your thoughts? It's uh, Yeah, it was definitely one that I think was one that got away from them. Um, it did look pretty similar to... Um, the one obviously we won back there a few years ago it's kind of how roles reversed in that one in terms of you know when Chloe got that breakaway tie in that game for us Um, yeah I think it was definitely one that was there for the taking Um, you know possession uh, dominance territory you know they were all kind of in our favour there it's one of those things where uh, just lack of being clinical I think really killed us again Um, so one thing we always keep going back to but you know, to be fair, something they could have just let that really get to them and like, bring them down. But actually, they've kind of used that again as a bit of a fuel to going forwards. And obviously, if you know more games had happened, I think you would have seen a, again a massive, massive shift and a massive change, and probably a, a bit of a victory again this season. And you know, thinking about you now, like your move to Saris this season, like how? Why did you go there in the first place? Because you've been having an outstanding season there. And you know, what, what is it that that Philip Doyle needs to see from you to get the nod to get back into the team? Um, I think I came down here. I had a few good conversations with Alex before I moved over. Obviously, coming off the back of France, I was, I was in, like really wanted to get back into Tyrrells again. Obviously, having been up with Sharks before, and you know, just having conversations with Alex was just um, you know really sold you know the environment within Saris with on and off the pitch. And it was something that I was like, you know, this is really where I think I can see myself developing further as a person and a player, and somewhere that I really want to be part of. And um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just about putting out those performances week in, week out with Saris now and just, you know, um, hoping that those um, do me justice and kind of, you know, get questions asked. But at the end of the day, new coaches, new game plans, and sometimes sometimes you don't really fit into those. And you know what? That's absolutely fine by me. At, at the end of the day, it's for the better of the team. And if that's going in, a, in another direction, then, you know, it's, it's going well. And um, I'll always support the girls and whatever happens going forward. You can only do what you do, which is uh, yeah, playing playing exceptional rugby for Saracens. Um, just uh, just Lisa on the latest latest news and latest development on the, on the TPs with the salary cap, yeah, the the abbreviated squad from sixty to, to forty and no development rugby. Just just give us if if you would your, your personal thoughts on, on that. 
it's obviously going to be a massive, massive change uh, going into the next next few seasons. Um, obviously, with Saris, you've got a, a very successful development team, and, and the amount of girls that have have got done the transition between the two teams um, has has been a, a huge number. And I think you saw that a lot, especially last season, the number of girls playing in the final who you know played quite a lot of rugby in development leagues and. Um, it's going to be a, a difficult situation. I think a difficult decision for a number of players. Um, whether it's they, you know, they want to continue the rugby journey in, in another club, or they actually maybe feel that actually if they're not going to be able to play for the club that they really want to, or the one that's best for them, it's you know, it might be time to, to look at other things. Because I suppose at the end of the day, um, rugby for for um, us guys sometimes can only be seen as a bit of a hobby, and it's got to then take you know what then takes priority. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting. Seen and um, obviously with a lot of personnel changes probably between teams. It'll be interesting to see you know um, how that how that all works out. Thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to seeing you at the duel. Oh yes, Ooh. excited, excited for that one. Break it up, Lisa. Thank many many thanks, and uh, yes, we look forward to uh, to seeing you excelling in the Saracy shirt. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. No, no worries. Thanks for having me on, guys. So Scotland's game at the Arms Park was understandably postponed last week. And the one game left standing around five bit the dust on Tuesday morning. That was France against Ireland in Lille. So Ireland's Six Nation ends for now with wins against Scotland and Wales and that defeat to England. To help us review those games, it's a warm welcome to former Irish skipper Fiona Coughlin. I understand you were on commentary duty for the weekend, but you've, uh, you've now got the weekend off. Happy, reasonably happy about that? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> supposed to be in France this coming weekend, and obviously we were supposed to be in Donnybrook last weekend, so pretty much two weekends off in a row and uh, missing out on some top-quality rugby. So, yeah, probably not as disappointed as the players, but um, I look it's all for the right reasons, I suppose. Yeah, it's a frustrating frustrating old time. Because, um, yeah, it felt like Ireland were, were, were beginning to sort of build slightly. Just, just give us your assessment, if, if you would, of those uh, first first three games that uh, Ireland played. Yeah, um, I suppose coming into the championship, there was a lot of talk about the three home games and the importance of, of winning them just to position themselves properly to them into um, the qualify for the World Cup, but also um, to re- reinstate where they really should be, and it's, it's verging towards the Englands and France's and getting back up there. And the first game out, I thought 20 minutes of rugby was a style that we hadn't seen them play in previous years, so it was really exciting. But they left Scotland back into that game, and I'm sure they were disappointed with that as well. And Scotland played really, really well and um, put them under a lot of pressure. But then to back it up the following week, then against Wales, in a really, I thought it was a really impressive and controlled performance, both in attack and defence. Um, you know, with players really stepping up to the mark in decision-making roles. Uh, and obviously then going to England, you know, I think they were very much looking for the performance. And while we didn't see it in an attack at all, down to England's absolutely phenomenal defence, um, I thought their defence was very committed. Um, and they asked questions of England. And particularly in the second half, uh, certainly they put England under a lot of pressure that they didn't kind of get into their flow and, and probably do the job that they wanted to get from that game. So, uh, yeah, it's a positive start and it's a bit disappointing now that that momentum stops and they have to go again. But, look, everyone's in the same boat and uh, you just need to look, look to peak at a different time again and, and just get your training right from that. But I, I think they have got a lot out of the first three games um, and just getting kind of partnerships right again and um, playing a, a nicer style of rugby than we've seen. Definitely an attack. They, they're looking to move it wide and 
Um, I'm sure we'll see that develop a little bit more. But look, they're always going to struggle against the physical nature of England and France. So um, yeah, it'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see how they develop going towards October or September, October now, and, and those qualifiers. Fiona, as you spoke there, you know, not questioning Ireland's defence at all. But I was also at the, the England game. It just felt that they just didn't have anything can attack you talk about you know in the first two rounds there's we're seeing a different brand things are coming together I mean what what do you reckon is is missing from that side of things if if you look back on that game where Quinn's played against Leicester Leinster sorry at Twickenham they were really good in attack it was fast quick pace on your toes you know Sene was challenging at the line I mean what can they potentially maybe learn from that environment and and take it into the Irish one yeah, like, I suppose, you know, it's obviously two different levels um, that you're looking at there. With Ireland, they probably haven't had an out-and-out out 10 for the last number of years. There's been lots of changing. Um, so, obviously, uh, Ellen wasn't there at the start of the year. She got injured, and then Claire Cohan came in for her first cap. So, it's still a very experienced out-half player um, that's only learned their trade. But also, so, like, the kicking option and stuff wasn't on that day, but I, they were beaten physically. Like, they didn't get any quick ball at all to be allowed them to get into... I suppose, the way in which they wanted to play, that we've seen them play previously. And again, they were playing very deep, which just was just lovely for the English defence just to run up hard and push them back a little bit more. And um, yeah, I, guess, I guess that's a little bit... Very- Sorry, for, I guess that's a little bit what I mean. Like When, when we were playing against Leinster, which was a, a big makeup of the side, they, they were a threat on the line, whether quick or slow ball. You had Sene coming onto it, really threatening, runners off of her. I mean, I'm... There must be some sort of transfer over to the to the Irish national side as well. Yeah, like I, I do that. I do think the step up in the physical nature from that level up to international. You know better than me. You, you played in in both of them, and I haven't been around in a number of years. But uh, I suppose that that's a huge thing. If you're not getting front football from your pack, it's very hard then for your backs to do anything. Um, and I think their options were very, very limited. And the wind was so bad that day, even the kicking game was gone. Yeah. And um, they, It was very one-dimensional. I thought it was just one out and then you're not getting gain line, so you can't go anywhere. And um, It's certainly something they're going to have to look at. They're not going to be ever probably as big as physical as England because we never have been. But you've got to be smarter about how you play. And uh, that, just, that certainly wasn't there against England. It's kind of played into them and into their strengths. Who for you is the uh, the person to wear that uh, that number ten shirt, Fiona? Moving forward, because obviously it's a really really important year with the World Cup qualifiers coming up. Yeah, um, like it, it's put you right one. on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I, like since since Nora Stapleton retired, there has been a whole lack of consistency there, um, and, and I think that's the struggle. And then if you look at kind of interpro level, you have the likes of Senny maybe playing ten sometimes for Leinster and. Then even Claire Johan, who ended up starting for Ireland, she wasn't even starting for Munster. So they're not even getting top level in that position at inter-pro level. So then it's a huge step up. So it's definitely something that Adam Griggs is going to have to look at now in the next couple of months. But whoever he decides is going to be in that 10 row that they get higher quality games um, in, in that position just to challenge their decision making and challenge what they expect from others, both inside and outside them. Um, in order to kind of play a better brand of rugby and, and the way that he wants. But as I said, if, if the pack aren't going to deliver ball, ball for you, there's not a lot that you can do. You're you're on the back foot and uh, they're going to have to be smarter around the way they play even with their forwards, whether that's attacking slightly wider as opposed to the strengths of, of England. Um, it's certainly something that he's going to have to look at from a game plan point of view. 
Obviously, uh, those World Cup qualifiers we, we, we mentioned, um, I guess both sides would have liked to play this weekend, Ireland and Italy, because it looks like that's kind of where it's going. For you, who, who's, who's Ireland's biggest threat to, to get through those qualifiers come the autumn? Yeah, like pre, pre this championship, I definitely would have said um, it would have been Italy. I thought what they've done in the last couple of years with a very small cohort of players and their management team, it actually very much reminded me of Ireland back in 2013 and 2014. Yeah. Probably there wasn't a lot going on outside the national team, but it was a really strong um, base of players within that national team who'd come kind of through a journey together. Uh, I think obviously losing Furlan for the season has been tough, but if she's back, she adds another dimension to to their attack. Uh, so, yeah, but I, I think Scotland as well, you know, I think they've been very so unfortunate with fixtures after that I thought they were played really well in the Irish game obviously the fixture against England you know in horrific conditions after being postponed and it was always going to be a challenge but I think a little bit more time for them and they're going to develop they're going to be developed nicely I just don't know whether September is going to be too soon for them so I think currently as it sits I think Italy are probably going to be the biggest challenge Great stuff Fiona we're, we're going to we'll leave it there because we're trying to wrap up all, all from uh, from all the home union. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. And sorry you've got the weekend off. Uh, thoroughly enjoy your work. At, um, and uh, no doubt we'll see you on a touchline very soon. But thanks so much for your thoughts today. Super. Thanks a million, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. I'm Jake Conkle, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So, Berth, uh, we've heard from all the home unions, Italy as well. There was a request to uh, to hear a little bit more from Italy. So, hopefully, uh, we've done that speaking to uh, to Giada. Obviously, I haven't heard from France, uh, Mademoiselle Rachel. Oui, oui. Uh, being the uh, bilingual person that you are, popping over to France all the time. Uh, give us a, your assessment on France and just the, the, the tournament as a whole as we reach this sort of rather unfortunate but obviously understandable pause point in the tournament yeah look I think I think they'd be relatively pleased with their performances I think their opening performances where they'd be most disappointed against England you know it's the same story again they've had plenty of opportunities to beat England and either give it away in the last minute or you know they coughed up so many opportunities in that first round against them that they could have beat them so I think they'd be really frustrated with that they obviously then got lots of momentum in the next game playing against Italy at home again and then again away at Wales they put on an outstanding performance um but I think you're slowly seeing this this side grow mature there's a lot of good partnerships that are now forming that seem to be more solid and complete um so look they're going to be hugely frustrated that they couldn't finish off this campaign yet um but knowing what the French will do that they'll just keep training hard and, and look to come back and and try, you know, because it still is, it's still open, isn't it? Still could be. Italy could do it. Could beat England. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. Yeah, absolutely fair. not. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to have a bet, <laughs> let's bet a let nice, you, a French I'll let meal. you win. <laughs> and Johnny, before we go, we must must plan our next live podcast because it was just so much fun and it was so cool to be down at the cabbage patch we've got to plan it should we do it then 100 percent. one more before the I'm end in. of the season yes 100 percent. it's a deal still sale of the century uh before we wrap up a few shout outs becca hamians rfc becca hamian yep uh they've got to rock up and play on tuesday the 17th which is what next week uh 
If you're aged between nine and 17, that's half past six to eight. If you're 18 or over, it's between half seven and nine. No experience required. So a big thanks to uh, to Emily Scarrett, Gigiada Franco, Lisa Martin, Fiona Coughlin for joining us, to producer Jez as always. And next week, what's going on next week? Well, we're going to preview the return of the Tyrrells Premier 15s because I know there's so many players that can't wait to get back on the pitch. Yeah, we'll wrap up all the domestic and international news with the editor of Scrum Queens, Ali Donnelly. She's back and together we will pick our team of the Six Nations Tournament, open bracket, so far, close bracket. <laughs> so yeah, why not send us your thoughts in between now and then about who should be included in that team of the Six Nations so far. And remember, whatever you're doing to support the women's game, wherever you are, keep it up. Until next time. <laughs>